1: What's up everybody, Matt Kajeski here, live with the awesome week nine FanDuel show. I am here with my partner in crime, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kojewski. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. So you know when this and all other shows go live. Of course, today the agenda is everything FanDuel, giving you a glimpse of the entire FanDuel slate how to approach it, where ownership will lie, and just ways to overall attack it.
0: Kyle, what's going on today? Yeah, not much. We got a little bit of a uh, little bit of injury news popping. We got a, a really, really funky uh, showdown slate coming up, so that'll be fun. But right now, we are on the <laughs> FanDuel main slate. Yeah, it is a a mess out there.
1: It really is, and there is some injury news, of course, that we monitor going into the weekend. Seemingly every single week. This week, I think it is mainly going to be focused around Christian McCaffrey. We may get some news pop up late in the week, as has tended to happen the last couple weeks. But with McCaffrey right now, I just want to go with the idea that if he plays, he will probably be a little higher owned than what we have projected right now. And I'm not sure exactly what to make of him if Mike Davis is going to siphon into his workload or, or whatnot, but if he's active, should... Christian McCaffrey be among the highest owned backs on the slate
0: yeah he probably deserves to be it's going to be a not I mean not like a great spot it's on the road underdog good defense but there should be a lot of scoring in this game and McCaffrey doesn't really care about game script that matters a little less on FanDuel it is actually a little more concerning that his team doesn't have an awfully high in implied team total because on FanDuel those receptions don't count nearly as much as his touchdowns do he scores a lot of them but if they're not as a team projected to score a lot his touchdowns could come down. So, so maybe on FanDuel, he has a little bit of a different calculus, but overall, yeah, he still deserves to be one of the, uh, if not the highest owned player.
1: For sure. I I think McCaffrey, it'll be interesting to see what his ownership comes in at first game back. People may have you know forgotten about him a little bit. A recency bias is typically something that affects a lot of DFS players. And we see that with ownership, a lot of weeks like Dalvin cook projecting for a decent amount of ownership. Now, not as much on FanDuel, because his price is very high. But, you know, this typically affects a lot of people. Some other injuries we're watching throughout the week. Matthew Stafford, he pops up for, for the COVID list. He doesn't have COVID himself yet, at least. He still has to test negative a few times. If he does, he can play, it seems. Calvin Ridley looks like more on the doubtful side. Mark Ingram, same deal there. Miles Gaskin ends up on the injury report this week a couple days ago. And then apparently Matt and also dealing with some, some injuries there. I have no idea who's going to play in this backfield for Miami. Do you have any idea?
0: Yeah. So I don't, uh, I saw something. I don't think Deandre Washington is eligible to play yet. He probably just has to go through like a certain amount of like travel based negative tests. So I don't think he'll play. I could double check that, but I'm pretty sure he won't. Jordan Howard will at this point be active. How much do we see of him? I don't know. Probably a decent amount. It could like actually be Patrick Laird. Like he could be the back. We see the most of out of this backfield could potentially see some like Lynn Bowden swing in there. But I do think at this point is just kind of a a mess of a committee right now, because they have a bunch of specialists who aren't like really good at multiple things. Patrick Laird, mostly a pass catcher, Jordan Howard, like great. If you need like two yards per carry would really bang out two yards per carry. And and Lynn Bowden, like a specialist at everything, but not really a, a actual running back per se. So probably a lot of split and to the point where I'm not too interested in.
1: Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's most of the large injuries. Kenny Galladay doesn't look like he's going to play, but we'll dive into this and we will get to all these injuries as we take a position by position look at the entire FanDuel slate. We'll mostly be focused on ownership, starting with chalk, going to some low on leverage, and then potential fades throughout. And this brings us to the quarterback position, generally one we don't see a ton of concentrated ownership on. And it's kind of the same this week. There's three different quarterbacks between the ownership percentages of 12.2 and 12.9%, so fairly flat. And then if we just look at quarterbacks owned above 10% on FanDuel, there's five of them. I found it pretty interesting that there's are some of the most expensive quarterbacks on the slate. We're talking Deshaun Watson, of course, phenomenal matchup against Jacksonville, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, you know, Russell Wilson's in that tier. So we're talking basically all the expensive quarterbacks. Are you willing to eat some chalk at the position at pretty hefty salary
0: yeah the the chalk is like distributed in it shouldn't be surprising but like kind of fairly accurately because like Justin Herbert as the cheapest of kind of the premier quarterback still coming in with top five ownership and is in a pretty decent spot versus Las Vegas I mean like Josh Allen in the spot of all spots versus Seattle he's also at home it's going to be fairly highly owned so I, I think I'm fine with eating some of this chalk I would say probably Deshaun Watson is my least favorite of all of them to eat because that's the game that I think has probably Maybe the least shootout, potentially, you could probably argue the same with Kyler Murray. So I think those are probably the two that if I'm going with, uh, like, I can't can't play all the chalk. It's probably Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray because I just think the, the Justin Herbert, you know, the matchup and the overall game script projects to be better there, at least more scoring there. And the same with Josh Allen versus Russell Wilson. That should be an absolute shootout. And although they are incredibly expensive, that has kept their ownership in check. It's not great. You're still getting right now 13% owned Josh Allen but I think I prefer that to, you know, 14 plus percent own Deshaun Watson.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I I think there are some really interesting spots to target. I think I'm almost more willing on FanDuel to eat some of the chalk at quarterback. The price difference between some of the most expensive signal callers isn't quite as drastic as what we we see over on DraftKings. And, you know, generally on FanDuel, we have a little bit more wiggle room to work with our salaries. Anyway, if we can get Russell Wilson – I just don't see why we're not trying to do that. I mean, the guy's third in completion percentage, fourth in yards per attempt. Seattle is way more pass heavy than we've really ever seen them under Russell Wilson. He's right now they're ninth in overall just pass rate. Buffalo's defense has been good, but they're not quite as good as what they were last year. Bottom of the league, at least bottom half in yards per attempt allowed through the air and on the ground. Of course, there's clear, clear stacking options for Russell Wilson in Lockett and Metcalf, which I like. I don't think you run into as many problems on the runback on FanDuel. So if you want to do like Wilson, Lockett or Metcalf and and Stefan Diggs, you're going to have to punt somewhere. But I think it's probably a little more viable on FanDuel than it is on DraftKings. Are you OK with Wilson? Anyone else you're looking at in kind of
0: this expensive but highly owned quarterback tier? Yeah, Wilson, I agree. Expensive, but that uh that expense apparently is keeping his ownership in check. He's uh right now just uh just inside the top five. That's perfectly fine for the quarterback who probably on the context of this late has the highest individual upside. Patrick Mahomes probably has the same argument to be made for him, but his game environment does project to be a, a little more uh you know, a little less exciting Carolina not coming up with a, a very good probability of winning going into Arrowhead. So The matchup of Russell Wilson versus Josh Allen actually, you know, appears to be more of a back and forth matchup. For that reason, Russell Wilson, yeah, of all the like super expensive guys, let's say like 8,500 plus. So, you know, Kyler, him and uh, Mahomes is probably my favorite just because although the price isn't great, Vandal does give you a little more leniency with that overall larger salary cap and he's not going to be incredibly highly owned despite almost certainly having, if not the best, certainly the second best overall upside of any quarterback on the slate.
1: I agree. One last question that I, I personally want to ask you is about Justin Herbert and this Chargers offense. First of all, I mean, like Justin Herbert, 7,900, I think, is probably too cheap for him on FanDuel. This Chargers offensive environment has been phenomenal. They're not passing at a too high of a rate. They're 25th in pass rate right now, but they're running so many plays that it doesn't necessarily matter. They're they're running currently 72 plays per game. That's second in the NFL, eighth in plays per game. They've given up 30 points in, in three straight games. What do we make of Herbert? Is he ever going to throw to, you know, some of his regular pass
0: catchers in the end zone? Yeah, I mean, man, he's thrown touchdowns to I believe Virgil Green definitely gave neighbors, Jalen, gave neighbors, Jalen Guyton, uh, maybe Joe Reed. I don't know, Joe Reed even alive. Like all of these guys, Donald Parham, all of these guys are catching touchdowns. But when you look at who is on the field and who is getting the targets, it is essentially three guys. It's a little bit to the running backs, but it is mostly specifically to obviously Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Mike Williams. If they are getting a vast, vast majority of the targets between that three trio, I think it would be wildly, wildly unsustainable to just like dedicate one plus touchdowns per game, like in your projections to these random guys. Is there a small chance on any given week that these random guys score touchdowns? Yes. But are they doing it at a wildly unsustainable rate? I think the answer is absolutely yes. So I think. We're going to see maybe not tempered ownership, but it's the price specifically, the tempered price on the weapons of Justin Herbert, because they haven't scored touchdowns, which is the random part. The predictable part is the targets, which like Keenan Allen is seeing a lot of the deep targets. Mike Williams is seeing a lot of. So, I think Justin Herbert as a price play is a great stack. Problem is, it, it is a bit chalky. So maybe if you do it, you look to run it back in a unique way.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, Kyle, just for what it's worth, we got an ownership update six minutes ago. So be aware when you're when you're looking <laughs> I'm at refreshing right now. Thank you. Yeah. So the run sheet is a it's mostly the same I'm looking at right now. But six minutes ago, right before the show started, we got a little update. With that said, looking at some leverage, I think it's an interesting spot this week just because we don't really have a pure chalk quarterback. We have a couple guys with semi-condensed ownership at the top, but I do think there's a few signal callers in some potential spots here that we can exploit. For example, this Kansas City Carolina game has a really high total. Of course, that's mainly focused on the Kansas City side. But we're getting Teddy Bridgewater coming in sub 2% or sub, sub 3%. If We want to get a little weirder even yet. I mean, a guy like Lamar Jackson, who is just crazy upside is 1.2%. He's got a good match or a tough matchup going against Indianapolis's defense, but the price has come down on Lamar Jackson. He's only 8,100 on FanDuel. The rushing upside there, I think is even more important. Are you willing to take a shot on Lamar Jackson?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I updated our, I updated our uh, ownership projection thinking, well, maybe my Lamar Jackson play doesn't look as good. Nah, still looking around 1%, man. I, I get it. Lamar Jackson has certainly not been, we should not project him to be what he was last year. Both his rushing and his passing numbers have come down, but they're not terrible. He's not playing awful. I believe he has three, three or four, uh, like QB one top half QB one games on the entire week. Not even the main slate this season. It's just the lows have been much lower. Last year, there were hardly lows. Like, lows weren't in the range of outcomes for Jackson. Now they are again. But we still know there are highs. There are, like, spiky touchdown weeks. We have multiple, like Mark Andrews, multiple touchdown weeks. So, I think Lamar large at 1% ownership should always be, like, I'm just going to keep going over the field on this guy. Because, one, it doesn't take a lot. I'm not, you know, if you're, say, playing, like, you know, a 20 set of lineups, you literally have to play him once to get over the field. You play him two or three times in that set, and you are going, like, way over the field. So... I'm probably just going to continue going back to the Lamar Jackson well. I still believe that at some point, because he has already done it this year, just not to the massive like QB1 overall 30 points on a slate type of deal, he will have one or two of those games, and I want to capture those games. And the market share numbers are condensed. So when you stack him, you are likely, not guaranteed, but likely getting getting the right picks because it's a lot of air yards to Marquise Brown, still like a top five or 10 target share to Mark Andrews. So it's it's not like you're picking from a larger set of guys to stack. So I'm still going back to it, man.
1: Yeah I will say all his pass catchers are coming in cheap as well at least cheaper than we've historically seen them which we'll get to as we move through the positions but it's really interesting to look at Lamar Jackson he's a guy that's 30th in completion percentage and 23rd in yards per attempt drastically different from what we saw last year I'm not sure what the issue is that I think part of it is also they're not running a lot of plays like last year they were third in plays overall this year they're 24th and they're 26th in seconds per play so it's Despite not having, you know, like a lot different with the offense, maybe it's some offensive line continuity. I know they're very banged up on the offensive line. Maybe that has something to do with it, but injuries aside, Lamar Jackson is still Lamar Jackson. I think he's worth a look on the slate as far as fades. You know, the quarterback position is tough just to downright fade some of these really good signal callers. And then when we start talking about your, I don't know, Jake Lutton's, he's only going to be 3% on. So if you don't play Jake Lutton, can you even really call it a fade? I think, (laughs) the biggest place we can look to maybe get underweight on the field would be some of these expensive quarterbacks on FanDuel. I'm not sure it's as much of a problem, but you know, like the difference between DraftKings and FanDuel on DraftKings, I'm probably not going to play a ton of Patrick Mahomes just because the stacks that you make with him are so expensive that they're cost prohibitive to your lineup. Same with Russell Wilson on FanDuel. They are still cost prohibitive, maybe not to the same extent. Is that a reason you could potentially get away from some Mahomes, maybe a Russell Wilson?
0: yeah that is a reason but like you said it's not the same scenario where like you struggle to build a good lineup when you build Patrick Mahomes Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey whereas on FanDuel you have a little bit more leniency it's still difficult it still does force you to make some some you know grievous sacrifices but it's not quite the same conversation we have on DraftKings more of what I'm looking for in the conversation of fades on FanDuel is just game environments that I don't like as much and if we're going to see like Kyler Murray I get that he like you could argue his price is viable but like he's not that much different than like you know what 400 more for Russell Wilson, it's, i go to the 400 more every single time, and you're going to get less ownership on it. So I think Kyler Murray versus Miami defense, they're they're good. I don't even care too much about the defensive matchup more. Just the total isn't anything special, whereas the total, Russell Wilson versus, versus Josh Allen, that has a crazy total. So when I can pay 400 more to get access to what appears to be a vastly better game, I'm just kind of surprised that people are so excited to play Kyler Murray in a game that is good, but it's nothing special.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think Miami could have trouble keeping pace in that game. And if so, we've seen Arizona take very run-heavy approaches in certain scenarios, which could be a reason to potentially get away from Kyler Murray. I think the same can be said for Ben Roethlisberger. Not that he's coming in with any sort of significant ownership, but just kind of a parallel in a similar game environment where we do have concerns. But of course, guys, as we talk about ownership and all these tools, you can get access to all the great Awesome Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Awesome Plus weekly pass, For $29.95, this includes full access to all the premium content and tools on awesome.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and much more only looking to play NFL. Then sign up now for a weekly NFL package for just $14.95 or give the NFL weekly express pass a shot for $3.95. Again, we're referencing ownership a lot. I think it is invaluable having access to these ownership projections, seeing where the field is at and making educated leverage decisions with your lineups it's just so important for DFS in today's day and age where we all have access to solid projections now as we move to the running back position we do have some significant chalk here and with the the update we just got on ownership it appears James Robinson is basically going to be on a little mini island by himself Josh Jacobs is approaching an ownership they are the two most owned backs on the slate I think it's mainly a price point play for them. On FanDuel, James Robinson, 7,300, Josh Jacobs, 7,700. That's fairly cheap in the context of the FanDuel pricing structure. Are you interested in either of them?
0: yeah i mean neither of them are bad plays like you said like you're getting a very similar role maybe even more pass catching work to buoy a a slightly lower rushing projection from a guy like josh jacobs versus derrick henry you're getting way more targets from a guy like james robinson versus derrick henry And i believe james robinson still leads the nfl in percentage of backfield carries even over derrick henry like last week we actually saw both deonta foreman and jeremy mcnichols get the ball in a game where it's like they're blowing their opponent out so I think their volume is why you would look to James Robinson, and Josh Jacobs over like the, the massive price discount going to them from Derek Henry. The ownership on a lot of these guys though is concerning. And I like, I still think there are viable pivots where you can find similar levels of volume. The one that maybe you, you can't make that argument for it that I think, I'm, I think I'm still going to fade is at 5,900. It's very difficult to find. It's very difficult to find David Montgomery level volume at 5,900. That is so cheap. When you look at like, our next closest projected players are like our closest owned players at that same price point are Justin Jackson and Devin Singletary. Both of those are tried and true committee backs. Whereas Dave Montgomery as terrible as he is, he, I mean, he's getting, I believe he leads the league in routes run since uh, Tariq cone went down. He's getting most of the carries. They don't really have any backup running backs they use outside of like Cordero Patterson. So I don't know. I think he's terrible. I think that's probably why you fade him, but at least for him, I think you can argue that there is no other way to spend less than 6,000 and get those kinds of numbers. So that's the argument for him, for Henry Jacobs and Robinson. I think they're not maybe like lock in fades, but I don't, I don't think you can't find similar volume in just as good of spots for similar prices.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think fading Robinson's okay. I am okay with his pass catching workload. It's fine, but it's, it's not like we don't have other options like James Robinson. How many touchdowns do we think this Jacksonville team is going to score with a backup quarterback against Houston, they're already projected to lose this game by more than a score. I think that's a concern just to try to poke holes in him a little bit. And to your point on David Montgomery, like props to FanDuel. FanDuel actually made me think about David Montgomery. I know. <laughs> on DraftKings, I'm flat out not playing David Montgomery, mm-hmm. but he's at a price on FanDuel. Where I'm like, huh, are we playing David Montgomery this week? And I think, you know, with Montgomery, the main question you should be asking yourself is what am I giving up? You know, if I'm rostering David Montgomery in one of my roster spots, that's just one spot you can't dedicate to to McCaffrey or Chase Edmonds or whoever the runner may be that you like more than Montgomery. So it's not always just a pure price point. It's the opportunity cost and who you're giving up to roster David Montgomery. And that's, I think, the main argument against him this week. There are players that are in that range that I like a lot that aren't too much more expensive, like David Johnson and Chase Edmonds aren't direct pivots. But they're cheap enough where I think maybe you could roster David Johnson, Chase Edmonds, and then an expensive back rather than you know, like two really expensive backs and David Montgomery. Do you prefer that approach?
0: Yeah, I, I kind of agree that I, I'm it is really difficult because David Montgomery seeing Uh, like so much work relative to his price. But I do think it's the same argument essentially with James Robinson. How many touchdowns do we expect this team to score? Like sure, Tennessee's defense isn't very good, but the Chicago offense isn't anything to write home about either. And they're also like an inefficient pass heavy offense. So not only do they like not rack up tons of yards, but they don't do it through the ground, which is kind of surprising when you have Nick Foles as your quarterback. But I guess when you have David Montgomery as your running back, what is, you know, your alternative? So it's the James Robinson thing where how many touchdowns can you expect this team, let alone the running back within the team to score? probably not a lot so that's really how you find the outs to specifically a robinson but the same argument for montgomery failing is that for a tournament winning lineup you probably have to get a touchdown from like all of your running backs unless you just go absolutely berserk in terms of the yardage like david montgomery doesn't seem to have that upside touchdowns are what he's going to need to make a living on and how many you know how many chicago touchdowns are we getting probably not a lot so on the other side david johnson like you said not a direct pivot but for about a thousand more david johnson on the favored team in the houston jacksonville game getting not a dissimilar role to like the james robinson role he's just like less exciting he's been less explosive he doesn't look as good if you watch the games i don't really care if he's going to have a similar role in a far better spot than james robinson absolutely a good pivot the exact same argument for chase edmonds we don't know what we're going to see from chase edmonds but does have the does he have the upside to get just as many as many targets and carries as james robinson for a little bit cheaper as a favorite at home, absolutely. All of these things are true. You can find just as much volume potentially and better game scripts, better game environments outside of James Robinson with guys like, you know, with guys like James Connor on the expensive end. And then with guys like, you know, Chase Edmonds on a little bit of the cheaper end.
1: Yeah, man, I love Chase Edmonds this week. He's been seeing a lot of work, even with Kenyon Drake in the lineup. The primary pass catcher here is at least six targets in three of his last four games. He immediately saw 12 touches in the game where Drake went down. The matchup, I mean, we want to talk about the Dolphins' defense. They're allowing the fourth-most yards per attempt to opposing rushers. Everything sets up for Chase Edmonds to have a solid game here. Watch, watch, watch him fail now in this spot, just like we we did with Kenyon Drake earlier this year.
0: But, yeah.
1: you know, I, I do think we see some chalk coming in on some of these guys throughout the week. And if we get McCaffrey, we talked about McCaffrey at the jump here. McCaffrey should rise in ownership right now. Just with the uncertainty on him playing, he is priced very expensive on on FanDuel specifically but his ownership comes in at 5.7. Uh, do you think that rises a lot? He's still kind of cost prohibitive on FanDuel. On DraftKings I think he's a much better value. On FanDuel we we at least have to at least debate this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think maybe that would be the reason that it doesn't rise a ton although what is a uh, 5 Point seven percent. I would bet the over on that pretty cleanly. Uh it seems just like a low price for an active Christian McCaffrey. And although maybe there are definitely uh like reasons that he could fail, obviously it's not a great matchup. We could still potentially see some Mike Davis. I think as long as we get him active, it looks closer to 10%. I still think he's a considerable play at 10% because his price, while prohibitive, isn't like over 10,000 yet. So I think he's a worthwhile conversation. Do you think we see any Mike Davis uh, upon the Christian McCaffrey return? I kind of lean that it is minimal, maybe more than like Reggie Bonafon last year, but not enough to change much of the calculus on McCaffrey specifically because Mike Davis was hot to start, but like he basically looked like a washed up old veteran in his final two or three games, which is what we should have expected all along. They have like obviously the first round draft capital now, like the mega contract invested in McCaffrey. And supposedly he's looked fine in all of his practices. Like he's cutting well, looks fine. And like him returning this week is like nothing more than a formality. Like they say, he's kind of a lock to return at this point. So because it sounds like that's the case, I would say that like, he's almost completely healthy. He's got like, like there's no reason for the team not to use him like they did last year. Essentially is my argument.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he is the premier pass catching back in the NFL, maybe outside of Kamara, but I think those two are clearly one 2 And I think there's a strong argument for McCaffrey being number one. <laughs> so I, I still do think that, even though the pass catching doesn't weigh into the decision-making on FanDuel quite as much, of course it's a bonus that he's going to catch a bunch of passes and he is the three down plus goal line back. And, and we know this as we, we move through the running back position, there's one spot. I actually want to get your take on both sides of the game. Some ownership that really struck me. The first is James Connor. Yeah. Of course the matchup against Dallas, it sets up amazingly for James Connor, but his ownership is modest. He's not even 15% owned right now, 147 I'm certainly comfortable with eating this. And like the premier matchup on the slate, they're two touchdown favorites. Dallas's defense has been uh, struggled mainly because of injuries, but struggled nonetheless. And then on the other side, like what do we do with Zeke at this point? So let's get your take on Connor and then Zeke.
0: Uh, I mean, with Zeke, it's the matchup is pretty awful. He's an underdog. And at this point, like his pass catching role seems a bit questionable right now. Like Tony Pollard's gotten a little more involved. His team has, I believe, we'll uh, have to see uh What the Jets are up to? Are they on the main slate? I don't even know. (laughs) No, they're on the Monday
1: slate. They play the Um, Patriots.
0: Okay, then for sure, there's no way that any team has a lower implied team total than the last time I saw Dallas was at 14, I believe. That is a very small pie of touchdowns for Zeke to eat from. That like essentially caps him at two touchdowns, caps him at one if someone else scores a touchdown. So I think maybe uh, like Zeke, if he fails this week, depending on who they play next week, could be worth considering. But given the fact that Vegas says they're going to not only struggle, they're going to be downright destroyed on offense. uh, I don't have a ton of interest in Zeke. If he gets cheaper next week, maybe I consider buying into the bounce back. James Conner, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that he doesn't come in as like a more of the Derrick Henry range. But maybe it's because for 700 more people are choosing to play Derrick Henry, if that's the case. I don't think he's all that different from Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry in a similarly good spot, but at least like the Pittsburgh matchup, like like the Dallas defense is worse. They are all, they're both favorites. They both get a lot of work between the tackles. Derrick Henry gets more obviously, but then James Conner actually has a small pass catching role. So I think James Conner as a massive favorite against a terrible defense, 8,200 is expensive, but it's not incredibly prohibitive. I think sub 15% ownership is certainly worthwhile paying for him as opposed to going like 20 plus on Derrick Henry or even like, Upwards of 25 on Josh Jacobs, who's like an underdog and he doesn't catch a ton of passes.
1: Yeah, I think part of the reason Connor doesn't have a ton of ownership might be his price point. There's not really anyone else near him. Like Ezekiel Elliott is the closest in price. People just downright aren't playing Zeke. Josh Jacobs is the highly owned, but he's 500 cheaper than James Connor. And then if you want to look just above Connor, I mean, we have Derrick Henry, 700 more. And then above that, we start getting to your Dalvin and McCaffrey range. So I think. Connor might just lead you to a contrarian build because not a lot of people are getting an 8K running back, an 8.2K running back. And on the contrarian subject, I mean, outside of the expensive plays we already talked about, where are you looking to get a little different at the running back position? Again, ownership's fairly flat outside of James Robinson, Josh Jacobs, and Derrick Henry. There's a lot of guys between this 10 to 17% ownership range.
0: Yeah, so I think um, there's none... I think the the FanDuel ownership this week actually looks like somewhat sharp. I guess like Zeke is kind of the one argument you could make if you are just blindly following volume, which is not an unprofitable strategy in some sense. Zeke makes makes a a lot of sense. He's only 8k. He's gonna get the bulk of the carries. He could see a lot of targets potentially. I don't think I'm going there. I still think I'm looking at like the around 10% range, and especially if you double up on backs around the 10% range. You've got like you've got a home favorite i believe or they might be favorite the atlanta falcons you've got like todd Gurley getting number two in the nfl i believe red zone work at least in terms of red zone touches They're definitely uh, favored I, I, denver's all i guess i guess that denver did pull off that that fun fun exciting win that cost me a lot of money because mike williams but uh yeah atlanta oh at home God, don't give me i bet that i live bet that game like seven times <laughs> well, that's like uh what, like the third in the past like year and a half of the just awful, hilarious Chargers, <laughs> Chargers blowing yeah, awesome been, leads. Sorry, guys. The topic of the show isn't why never to bet the Chargers live seven times, but sorry. Go to, go ahead, Kyle. It's a good it's a good addendum to put in the show though is that maybe you shouldn't jam in Chargers as they just like choke away this lead. Yeah, like home favored home favored Todd Gurley getting all of the red zone work has multi-touchdown upside and that is like particularly valuable on Vandal. So he's a spot that I don't think people are going to want to go to because he's not like good per se, he's like efficiency metrics aren't great. I don't care if he's 6,900 for a home favorite, like entirety of the red zone work on a decently scoring offense. Yeah. I think he's fine. Justin Jackson, 5,900 is cheap. Ah man. He is really good leverage off David of Dave Montgomery too. He's good leverage off of his, uh, his compatriots in the chargers team because they're going to be popular. I don't love him as much on Fanduel as I love him on a like individual play basis on DraftKings because some of the value I get from him is the fact that he has 17 targets in the past three games. Five targets, I believe, in each of at least five in each of the past three games as well. That doesn't do me as much of good as it does on DraftKings, but because he's perfect leverage off Dave Montgomery, he's only going to be around 12% owned. I think like a double, like a a double mid-owned running back strategy could pay a lot of dividends. Antonio Gibson, just another one home-favored running back, getting at least last, not last week, the last time we saw him, 20 carries in a blowout win over Dallas, I believe. I mean, they should have their way with the Giants, or they should at least be able to beat this team they are favored. So Antonio Gibson now may be sealing off the bulk of the work from this backfield. There are a lot of good spots in running backs that we kind of just don't love, is it's like Antonio Gibson home favored that much worse than Josh Jacobs road dog. I don't think so, but the ownership says like Josh Jacobs has twice the chance of outscoring him. I think I'm just going to be playing a lot of the 10% plays and baiting anything, you know, not downright going zero on, but probably being very below the field on anything above 20%. So our big four, if you want to call them that.
1: Yeah. It's interesting that mo- like the guys in the big four, three of the four of them are underdogs and some of them don't even have a lot of pass catching upside in Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry being the lone back in that group that is not an underdog. Now, before we move on, guys, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel if you enjoy the content. It's the best way to support Kyle, myself, and the entire Osmo team. And if you've done that already, thank you very much. We appreciate all of you who stop by and watch all of our shows. Thank you. Thank you. We also have some free stuff for you. A lot of times in these island games, if you head over to the Twitter account, check out the pinned tweet. On Osmo underscore com, we do a lot of these little giveaways. And tonight, for Thursday Night Football, you can win a year of Osmo Plus NFL. Just follow the instructions on the graphic. You have to predict whether Aaron Rodgers or Nick Mullins will throw more yards tonight. One random winner will be selected among the correct guesses. Be sure to check out our giveaway on Osmo underscore com Instagram handle as well to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Again, all you have to do is follow the instructions. Pick who throws more yards between Rodgers and Mullins. And there you go, your chance to win. So check that out. Always free stuff over at Osmo.com. As we head to the wide receiver position, Kyle, an interesting topic of discussion on FanDuel, similar to the running back position, we have four wide receivers coming in north of 20% ownership, and then it plummets after that. So with the most recent updates, it's just four guys above 20%. They are Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Julio Jones, and Stefan Diggs. I don't have a lot of strong arguments against these receivers outside of maybe Price. Julio Jones, 8.2K. Allen and Lockett are 7.5 and 7.4, respectively. We talked about a lot of the quarterbacks. and I think you like most of these guys. Is there one you feel particularly strong about?
0: Yeah, there's not really one that I feel the strongest about. It would probably be Tyler Lockett, because as I said, the Russell Wilson ownership is kind of a little puzzling to me that he's not coming in as like a top three owned quarterback. Like it's kind of, he should be taking Kyler Murray's place, in my opinion. So I think for that reason, uh, I'll probably have a, a decent amount of Tyler Lockett despite the chalk, because I know my quarterback is going to be a little less popular. So I'm not getting like unowned Russell Wilson, but he's going to be a little less popular. <laughs> I was just, so I was thinking that I like, I think the, The Kansas City game is a good game to at least look into one-offs. I don't know if you need to go so cheap at quarterback to get like Teddy Bridgewater and the touchdown importance on FanDuel. like the emphasis on touchdowns, makes me a little hesitant to fully stack them. DJ Moore is still priced ahead of Robbie Anderson. Come on, FanDuel, do better.
1: I mean, we, we let them let them work slowly. We got a hyper efficient
0: David Montgomery price. They're they're getting there slowly with
1: the Panthers. The David Montgomery
0: price is very efficient because it's very puzz. Like, man, he's so bad, but it's such a good price. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm looking to, I guess like we're talking about a not dissimilar price range when we talk about 400 more for Tyler Lockett, DJ Moore. I know it's not chalk, but it's in the same price range. D.J. Moore, certainly not the number one receiver, but I don't even know if you could call him the number two. He's still leading the team in air yards, and his price discrepancy over Robbie Anderson, although is bad, is going to keep his ownership in check. So not quite on pivots yet, but when we look at the high price guys, I think Tyler Lockett is my favorite of the high-priced, high-owned. The high-priced, low-owned, D.J. Moore maybe kind of fits that same bill.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I The, the price on D.J. Moore is curious for sure. I think for me, among the high-priced wide receivers, I'm still interested in this Seattle game. Now, similar to DraftKings, we have DK Metcalf coming in more expensive than Tyler Lockett. I think there is some merit to getting up to Metcalf if you have the salary. These two guys, I mean, the target share is so narrow between them both that you can really target either one on a weekly basis, and you're going to have one of them maybe even both go up for a blow-up game. We've seen it two weeks ago, Tyler Lockett, 20 targets. Last week, DK Metcalf, 15 targets. Both of their target shares are north of 24%. They're both fantastic plays. Generally, I'm siding with the one that's lower owned. It's an interesting proposition on FanDuel this week because DK Metcalf is lower owned, but you have to pay $700 more to get him. Do you have a preference between Lockett and Metcalf?
0: Yeah, I think it's difficult. I think I'll probably have a lot of both because I think Russell Wilson is one of the better quarterback plays. I guess in terms of my position versus the field, I actually would prefer DK Metcalf. The price is difficult to palate when you know that you're also paying like an incredible price on Russell Wilson. But the amount of different that gets me, I'm fine with eating some of like the cheaper chalky plays like potentially at running back. I think you can go with just go with the boilerplate cheap, easy plays. You know, you could go with the David Montgomery in those lineups if you're willing to stomach it, you know. So I think in terms of what leverage it gets you, DK Metcalf probably a better play. If you're just looking at building like the optimal pricing lineup, though, Tyler Lockett for 700 cheaper does seem like he'll get just as many targets. I will say, though, DK Metcalf's price over Lockett is probably warranted because the target share is close. The air yard share is not. They get similar targets, but one of them, DK Metcalf, moves down the field and gets the chains moving on every single play. Ty Lockett, more underneath. He's not like this no no air yards guy. It's just that DK Metcalf stretches the field on every other play. So Metcalf probably deserves to be priced a little higher as of right now. The 700 discrepancy is a lot, but you get you get it back in the ownership. So I think both of them are in play. My position versus the field is a slight lean towards Metcalf. Very slight, though. Are you willing to get
1: away from them both and maybe play some Stefan Diggs on the other side? You get a little bit less ownership compared to Lockett. The target share is 29%, and he's just been a straight alpha in Buffalo.
0: Yeah, he's been absolutely dominant. It's like every every game, even I think it was the last game they threw like 20 or so pass attempts or something, and he still got to like 80 or so yards because his market share numbers just necessitate that no matter what Buffalo does, he gets involved in the offense. I definitely think in that same game, like Stavan Diggs is obviously the guy you're running it back with. It's interesting. We do actually have like we have a pulse on John Brown, Gold Beasley in terms of our ownership. Uh like Those would be the guys that you would run it back with if you're trying to save salary, but you're not getting like awfully unique. I would say John Brown, maybe the more interesting one, because although like I love Stephon Diggs, it becomes increasingly difficult when you stack DK Metcalf, Stephon Diggs and Russell Wilson. I think potentially the, the interesting move would be to run it back with a John Brown, who is the lowest owned of the trio of receivers in Buffalo. And if this game is going to absolutely shoot out, you could see 40 plus pass attempts from Josh Allen. John Brown, although not going to see a crazy market share of those, if he sees enough of them and they go deep, like I think he would be a contrarian way to both save money and get your Russell Wilson stacks different.
1: I think so too. I'm interested in John Brown. I, I wish I just knew for certain that he was healthy and I don't feel great about it, but you'll never know that. It's true. We will never know that. And I will continue to play him and yeah. ideally not lose money. So hopefully John Brown, you're healthy. If you're not just set out. So we have some clarity now, you talked a lot about the chalk I think we like it a good amount but again in some of these spots it's difficult to stack and of course in DFS we're always looking to stack our quarterbacks with the pass catchers so if we're getting different maybe we can tie this into stacks overall where are some receivers you're willing to take a stab on and get over the
0: field all right so I'm looking down at our ownership and I think you're gonna hear I don't know if you like this one we have I think it's quite interesting. Corey Davis would be ideal leverage off of a guy like Derrick Henry, who I think, although is in a good spot, is always a fragile play. The, the receptions don't matter, end up, end up mattering as much on Vandal. But they certainly, you don't not want your guy to catch passes. And Corey Davis has played, I believe now, three or four games with uh, A.J. Brown in the lineup. I believe it's three. He's out-targeted and out-air-yarded out him in all three of those games. I'm not saying he's the number one receiver, but I'm saying can we be so incredibly confident that Corey Davis is not a one B because he's played the, the volume has showed that when him and Brown are on the field, he has played as the one A. And I'm not saying that's his role, but we shouldn't be so confident to pass up a great leverage play like Corey Davis. Mike Williams at basically the same price range, 6,200, I believe leads the league in like deep targets. And Justin Herbert, quite good at throwing a deep ball. He's just quite good at everything, it appears. So I think he gives you great leverage off of Keenan Allen as well. Outside of that, any interest in Henry Ruggs? I know we talked about, uh, you know, maybe playing some of these Chargers stacks or, or you could just run it as one-offs with, you know, Mike Williams and Henry Ruggs just trading off deep passes or deep perceptions. 5,700 may be a little uh, expensive for a guy who could only end up seeing three or four targets but they are quite deep targets. Do you have any interest in Henry Ruggs? I kind of like. It.
1: Yeah, so here's the thing with these Chargers stacks. One, I want to play them. Two, who do you run it back with on the other side? I mean, very popular line of construction that has a high chance of winning is stacking either one or two pass catchers and having a run back on the other side. So when we're stacking the Los Angeles Chargers, we want to look at some Raiders players. The problem is it's Darren Waller and then who else is getting the ball consistently? There's no one. Nelson Agler pops up for a nine target game and then he goes back to dust. Henry Ruggs has run a route on a majority of the dropbacks, but it hasn't exactly led to volume. So it leads to a precarious situation on the other side. None of these guys are expensive outside of Waller. So I think with Henry Ruggs being on the field as often as he is, in the event that LA gets up to a big lead and Justin Herbert's the quarterback I'm stacking, I am willing to take a stab on Ruggs just because he's cheap, cheap volume, cheap access to this offense, and a lot of routes on the field. I, I definitely like that play. I mean... As we're talking about these cheap receivers, and you brought up Mike Williams, you brought up Corey Davis, the direct parallel I have with, you know, like Corey Davis, someone in that price range is, why not just play someone like Brandon Cooks, who's someone I'm taking a heavy look at. We see David Johnson coming with a lot of ownership today. Will Fuller is coming in with higher ownership than Brandon Cooks. Cooks is at 10% himself, so it's not like he's low owned, but are you willing to take a stab on someone like this?
0: Yeah, I don't hate Brandon Cooks. My only problem is that, uh, like, I'm typically looking for correlation. Even, like, even when I just play a receiver as, like, a one-off quote, like, as a non-quarterback stack receiver, I'm typically looking back to run, looking to run it back with someone on the other side. And I'm not sure who I'd run it back with in Jacksonville. I don't, uh, like, I wouldn't love eating, you know, 10% Cooks with one of the most popular running backs on the slate. I don't think you gain a ton of leverage by doing that, if, if much, if any, really. So I'm not sure, like, what the, like, this just not, doesn't really fit into the way that I'm building lineups. I don't hate Brandon Cooks, but I would probably limit most of my usage of him to specifically Deshaun Watson stacks, which I don't think I'll have a ton of. I have one that I'll, I'll throw your way – that uh, kind of, I don't know, it's weird. We have Adam Thielen as projected as less than 1% owned. And right now, am I even sure he is the number one receiver on his own team? I don't know, man. Justin Jefferson playing incredibly well. But when I, like, I think that's just like, if you're going to get a player who we have a strong track record as being a good fantasy producer at less than 1% owned in the same price range as like 26% owned Keenan Allen, 25, you know, 25 Tyler Lockett, over 20 Julio, over 20 Diggs. I think that's a really incredible leverage play even if a, a simple projection would not like him understandably.
1: Well, what about this? Justin Jefferson's also sub 1%. Oh, well,
0: let's just do that, never mind. Oh, I mean we can do either. I uh, <laughs> do either. Actually, yeah, man, these oh, we're stacking Kirk Cousins again, aren't
1: we? <laughs> okay, so there's a big thing we need to watch with this game. I think the game is far more viable to stack if Stafford plays. Yeah. If We've chased Daniel at the helm. I do not think I'll be stacking Minnesota. If they have chased Daniel at the helm, I think we go back to Dalvin Cook, who we actually didn't mention much, but Dalvin Cook, I mean, what is there to mention? He's a phenomenal play with middling ownership. You just play Dalvin Cook in those environments. As far as the competitive game environment we could see with Stafford, with these sub 1% plays, I love Justin Jefferson. I love Adam Thielen. If you're stacking that game, I think they make a lot of sense. as leverage plays. Plus, on the other side for Detroit, I mean, we're not dealing with expensive pass catchers.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I I do think and I've talked to some people who have a strong lean that Stafford will play. Basically, what happened is he like he had a, a high, high risk, close contact or, or whatever the terminology of it is, but did not. As of right now, I believe test positive. So as long as he logs a full week of negative tests, I believe five days is the actual number, five days of negative tests, which he will be. I, I assume he'll be like alone in quarantine and he will even fly out alone like on a private jet. As long as he logs all those negative tests, he will play. He won't practice all this week, but I, I mean, what, he's like a 10 year veteran or whatever. I don't really think like one week of not practicing like the Titans, although they probably totally did practice, like didn't practice for like weeks on end and still looked fine when they came out and killed Buffalo. So they one week of practice. not practice. Yeah. Like, well, well it was the first week they didn't. And then they practiced the second week or whatever. Right. Illegally. Well, yeah. Well, they didn't practice. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't think one week of staff not practicing should like, we're not going to like downgrade his yards per attempt or whatever. I think he'll probably be fine. So this actually looks like a game environment that, uh, yeah, if we're getting all of these. We're double stacking Kirk Cousins, and I think you probably run it back with Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson also available. We're, we're Kirk cousins it again, aren't we? I mean,
1: I did it last week, and it cost me a lot of money. Luckily, I was just heavy on that game. So those lineups go. were completely dead, but I had a lot of other lineups with Dalvin Cook. I was just trying to stack the Green Bay-Minnesota game. Minnesota's defense is so bad that sometimes it's – an avenue to shootouts just because they can't stop anybody so even though Mm -hmm. they want to run they're not always able to in this particular game they're favored over the Detroit Lions that doesn't mean Detroit's not going to like get the opening kickoff and score they very well could do that and then Minnesota's in this pass first game approach but I think it does lend itself more to a Dalvin Cook game making your Kirk Cousins stacks more contrarian if that makes sense
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I I think it's like the ideal. It's the ideal spot. Like, of course, I don't know like what we see from Detroit. They could very well, you know, like not be able to put up points on the board, and then at that point, it's all Dalvin Cook. But like you said, we shouldn't just be so incredibly confident that there's no way this team. That although they ran the ball a lot last week, we just don't know that that's what's going to happen this week. Ownership on Justin Jefferson, on uh, on Adam Thielen, and I didn't even look at Kirk Cousins. I would assume his ownership is also like next to zero. Their ownership says. Their their ownership is telling me that the public believes there is no way in the universe that this team passes a ton. We know that that's not true. We know that anything can happen. I think they're incredible average.
1: I think so too. Um, Guys, before we move on to tight end, I want to tell you about some more free stuff at Osmo.com. We just have so much right now. For free content today, we have NFL showdown projections. This is a must today. The 49ers entire team seemingly is injured or has COVID. So take a look at who Alex Baker is projecting to see the volume. It's going to be very important. We also have NFL week nine rankings, MMA top fighters tool. That's all free today. Also, if you guys haven't done this yet, check out the odd shopper tool. I think the single best betting tool on the market, this tool literally is free to the public. You go in there, it shows you totals, lines, player props, everything you can imagine from a variety of bookmakers. That allows you to get the best price, which is extremely important, and it saves you a ton of time instead of just searching around all these books yourself. Head over to Osmo Oddshopper to browse a number of the top books. Find the right bet for you. It's oddshopper.osmo.com. You can also track your bets there. You can set alerts so when lines hit a certain price, it'll tell you, and then you can bet it at that price. More importantly, it's free. You can do all this for free. One of my favorite tools on the market, I love it, absolutely love it for player props, So go over there, check it out. Again, that's the odd shopper tool at Osmo. Looking at tight end, this is, I think, the chalkiest position on the entire slate. Darren Waller is sitting alone 23%. Next is Travis Kelsey at 16.9. It's a decent ownership on Kelsey, but the reason I think we're getting this big discrepancy on FanDuel, Darren Waller's 6,400, but Kelsey's 8K got to pay a premium
0: for Kelsey are you willing to do it yeah this Kelsey price is quite difficult to pallet. I think the the only scenario I do it is in like very specific like not even game stacks but just st- some sort of stack with Carolina players because you do need this game to score a lot of points and that's just you probably need like a touchdown and well over 100 yards and there are just potential alternatives I think the pricing on FanDuel at tight end specifically makes it so that like, you know, like I love TJ Hawkinson, but TJ Hawkinson at 6,000, like, am I really going 400 less, like 400 more and I can play Darren Waller, 1600 less from Travis Kelsey and I can play Darren Waller, you know, no offense seeing a decent amount of work for a, a reasonable price. I think Kelsey is okay, but you do have to assume that this game scores a lot of points, in which case I'm I'm probably stacking it. So I think Kelsey is fine, but you do have to play him with correlation. I wouldn't run Kelsey alone.
1: This is really interesting pricing from Fandle. I think another pricing efficient part of the slate. Normally on Fandle, I'm just trying to pay all the way up because we don't have the same pricing difference between the minimum guys on Fandle and the high price guys in that upper tier. This week, it's just Kelsey alone at 8K which actually is kind of leading me into the middle price range for a lot of my bills, which is not something that typically happens for me. Darren Waller, 6,400. It's palatable. Well, you have to eat the ownership, but you can certainly get there. Hunter Henry has a very healthy target share in this offense. I don't know what the guy has to do to get a touchdown thrown his way. He only has one of four potential tight end touchdowns this year, but he's on the field the majority of the time and he's very active in the pass game. If you want to look in that same price range, Noah Fant has been heavily targeted by Denver. A lot of these guys in this middling price range makes sense is this kind of where you find yourself building?
0: Yeah, usually at Fandle, we look at like sort of the mid-high price range. We look at our, like the, the opportunity cost is not that great to go to Kelsey on a normal slate. This doesn't appear to be that. We actually do have, uh, that price is so difficult to get to in the context of having a lot of good plays on the slate. Like I want to play Russell Wilson. I want to stack them. My- i I can't afford Travis Kelsey in those lineups. So I actually think out of all of FanDuel slates this year, this might be the one that I'm most comfortable going to these mid and low price point guys. I agree, Hunter Henry. I think once you dip off of Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey, maybe not getting like outright contrarian, but you've moved off of what I would call the chalk. Maybe you could group Hunter Henry in there, but he's still roughly 4% less owned, 3.5% less owned than Kelsey. So I think Hunter Henry makes a lot of sense in your Justin Herbert stacks. I think he'd be an interesting if you want to play this game with one-offs, you could play him with potentially rugs. Moving down, like we have, this is the easiest fate ever. We have Mike Gusecki at, you know, 6% owned. Uh, I'm going to go zero on him. He's given up work like Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen. His offense didn't look good last week. Uh, I will I will fat pass on that. Hayden Hurst, kind of interesting. Fills that sort of Hunter Henry role. Not like a, you know, alpha number one tight end like Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey. But he gets uh, he gets a lot of uh, at least decent market share on a team that for, for Atlanta is going to throw at one of the highest rates in the entire league at, Because they're, uh, you know, either that or run it with uh, Todd Gurley. So they throw the ball a lot. They're going to be without Calvin Ridley. Hayden Hurst, I believe, got actually like a a significant target share over Russell Gage last week when they had uh, mostly no Calvin Ridley in that game. I think Hayden Hurst in the mid-range is probably one of the solid plays. And you can actually like, you could, uh, you know, correlate him with the Jerry Jr. or something. Go for it.
1: I think you could, too. I I don't hate playing Denver pass catchers. We talked about this last week. It's a good game environment. The totals around 50 points. Denver is going to have to throw. They probably aren't going to be efficient, but we're getting a condensed target share. A lot of it going to Judy, a lot of it going to fans. We already touched on him, but I like fans quite a bit. One guy I've been very down on all year, but the ownership is starting to creep lower
0: and lower. The price is creeping lower and lower. Do I play John Smith finally? Dude, we can, I think I played John U's, I mean, I know I played John who Smith last week. You can play John who Smith when the price comes down and when the ownership comes down and, and, and when he has leverage off of a, a chalky Derrick Henry, like all he needs to do is score two red zone touchdowns, which if there's any way for him to, like, if there's an avenue for him to get fantasy points, it's with red zone touchdowns. He's not this crazy, like market share numbers guy. He's not going to get 12, 13 targets but he could get some looks in the, you know, in the end zone. So if he scores two touchdowns, you are just destroying those Derrick Henry lineups, presumably. So he's good leverage. He's in a price point where like, if I'm moving off of the chalk, I am necessarily moving down to cheap guys. So I think Johnny Smith is a perfectly fine play.
1: I think he is too. Uh, The punt discussion on FanDuel is kind of difficult. We're already in this lower price tier range. And once we get below 5k, there's not a lot of guys I'm interested in. You know, I think some people will be trying to punt the tight end position. A few names that are going to be on the field a decent amount. Irv Smith is really game, game plan specific. He plays more when Minnesota is down. When they go run heavy, he comes off the field. So when you play him, you just hope Minnesota's trailing. There's Ian Thomas on the field a lot, essentially a zero in the pass game. I mean, if we want to get up to the, the Houston tight end, I think Jordan Aikens could take the field this week. He's 4,800 and fits the mold as your peer punts. Is there anyone down here you're looking at?
0: Yeah, I don't, like, it's not a, a great spot to punt. Like, here's a, a perfect example. Like, Albert Akui Buna. I like Albert Akui Buna. Whenever he's on draftings, I actually consider playing him. For what is this? He's 5000 For, you know, 600 more, you can get Hunter Henry. For the same price, you can get Logan Thomas. For, you know, 600 more, you can get Hayden Hurst. These are all far better plays. Like, for 1400 more, you can get Darren Baller. I would never consider, like, playing him. I just don't see it happening. Whereas uh, Irv Smith actually cheaper, surprisingly is 4,600. And like you said, he's only game script dependent in a, in a universe in which they run, like they pass 20 times. He probably gets two targets last week. That's exactly what happened. They passed, I believe 16 times and he got one target. He was still in the field for 75% of the snaps that was in line with his previous two game totals in which he got five and five targets. They just didn't have to throw a lot. So like everyone on Minnesota, if they are going to have a lead, at least the pass catchers in Minnesota, if they're going to have a lead, you're probably drawing that. But if it is a competitive or like underdog Minnesota type game, that's when these Kirk Cousins stats stacks are going to hit. And I think Irv Smith makes sense in the context of those. I don't play him probably in any lineup that doesn't feature Kirk Cousins, but he does open me up to just another way to build a unique roster if I stack him. So I think he's in play and I like the Jordan Aikens call too, as long as he plays, which I do, I do appear, I, I do believe he returned to practice earlier in the week from both an ankle injury and a concussion as long as he plays he was the primary pass catching tight end in the early part of the season should resume that role again darren fells stepped into that role and performed well but he's essentially a blocker he's like six seven and a giant he's like a guard basically so i think he returns to the blocking role and jordan akins is a viable punt play but i'm more looking in the mid-range
1: yeah i think so too tight end I think is pretty cut and dry. Kelsey is very cost prohibitive. He's going to be tough to reach. Waller will be the chalk because he's really the only alpha on the slate who has a modest price. And then that mid five K range is going to be popular, but spread. So you won't have singular ownership on one guy in a really concentrated position. As we close out the show here, Kyle, I, and we talk about bold calls usually at the end of these shows, I want to talk about it in regards to stacks, because I think stacking will be very important on this Fanduel slate especially with the expensive stacks we're seeing at the top range because of the expensive Pat Mahomes, the expensive Watson and Russell Wilson, and you name those quarterbacks, I think getting a little different with some of the cheaper quarterbacks, but still good game environments can be one way to approach this. So Matthew Stafford is someone I'm looking at. I know the coronavirus situation is clouding the situation, but if Matthew Stafford is active and, you know, previously before we got news about the the quarantine that Stafford has to undergo now, Minnesota and Detroit had a 52-point total. Matthew Stafford's the slight underdog in this situation, leaning towards the pass. Marvin Jones is a very cheap stacking option. There's very clear runbacks on the other side for Minnesota. You, like, take your pick. Do you want to use Dalvin Cook in a run-heavy approach from Minnesota? Do you think Detroit gets up early via Matthew Stafford to Marvin Jones and Hawkinson, and then we have to use Justin Jefferson on the other side? There's a lot of fun ways to stack a game that had previously been totaled at 52 points which is one way i think we can get very contrarian here is there a maybe a contrarian stack that you like
0: well you basically stole the other half of it but i have the other side of the game i think we both just think that this game is one where as long you know barring any crazy situation which kind of already have barring (laughs) any changes in the crazy situation which we believe is under control and stafford will play could change stay up to date on that you know we got a lot of got a late a lot of great sunday content popping here on sunday morning you'll be on that we have some other like alex will be on it so check us out then i'm sure you'll find out if stafford is playing it seems like a conversation we might need to have assuming he is playing the total was really good it's not that dissimilar from other popular spots but people just don't want to play stafford they don't want to play and maybe rightfully so kirk cousins because dalvin cook is supposed to get a lot of the work we don't know one we do know the game is supposed to score a lot of points We don't know for sure that Dalvin Cook will come out and get 30 carries and go for 150 yards again. If it ends up being one or two long bombs from Kirk Cousins, That's it. That's the Millie. So I'm going to say a double stack of both Justin Jefferson, Adams Thielen, and I like running it back with TJ Hawkinson. His price is is kind of egregious, honestly, because he's in the same price range as Darren Waller. But if he scores two touchdowns, that price doesn't matter. He could be 7K and it wouldn't matter. So you're betting on the high end of outcomes, killing his bad price. You know, it won't matter. So that's where I'm going. Double stack Kirk Cousins, run it back with Hawkinson, and you make yourself a lot of money.
1: Yeah. But before we head out of here, one other thing I want to say in overall ownership Mm-hmm. outside of this you know like buffalo seattle game i think we can take some chalk in certain lineups like let's use julio jones as an example say we want to eat the julio jones chalk we want to stack him with matt ryan because of course we want to stack our primary pass catcher and the primary quarterback well does anybody want to play denver i don't think they do so immediately you throw in noah fan you throw in a jerry judy and then your whole lineup is contrarian even though you have a julio jones in your lineup I mean you could even you could do a double stack Matt Ryan to Julio Jones Hayden Hurst run it back with fans on the not if you use Hurst you can't use fans so let's say you use Judy in that situation mm-hmm. and I think you have a fairly contrarian lineup do you think that's viable
0: yeah I saw that and I like I don't even like uh like Kyler Murray this week like I was saying but we had like three percent ownership on Christian Kirk and even like out of all the stud uh receivers we had fairly low ownership on DeAndre Hopkins so like you should like like playing a, like normally playing a single, like a, a non-stack quarterback, like I guess it's a slightly more viable on Fanduel I think, but normally that is a very bad idea. Doing that with Kyler Murray would be awful this week because you can actually get unique Kyler Murray builds because despite his popularity, people apparently want to play him as a one-off. So you can actually go to your, you know, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Kurt, and you'll have a massively unique way to get the second most popular quarterback on the slate.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, I don't hate running back, Dolphins players, sure. I mean, Tua Tua had a terrible game, but that game script lined up for them to really not have to use him. They had a couple special teams plays that really went their way, so the Dolphins got some easy touchdowns without having to do much. Like Tua was in his first game in a tough matchup against the Rams. He now gets Arizona. It it's not easy, but it's at least a little bit, I think, looser than the, the previous matchup. So Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, probably not Gesicki, but those are some decent runbacks on the other side.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think if you're looking to play the chalky plays, there are almost always, almost always ways to get different by playing the chalk. And it's just that uh, people are kind of, uh, I don't know if they're afraid or they just don't think Christian Kirk is a good player or whatever, but that is how you play chalk is you correlate it with like low non-chalk. And there are almost always ways to do that. I think people just aren't looking hard enough. Yeah,
1: I agree. Uh, That'll do it for us guys. Hit that thumbs up button before we head out, subscribe to the channel. There's a bunch of shows on every single day. We have another one yet today coming up tonight. It is live before lock, and this is one we can't miss. It is the Green Bay Packers taking on the San Francisco 49ers, and there is seemingly an endless amount of injury news that we are still waiting on tonight. Our very own Kyle Dvorak will be breaking it down for you guys. Kyle, what time are you on tonight?
0: Uh, We're on at an hour before lock, so 7.15 or 7.20. I always get them confused right around there.
1: (laughs) Perfect, guys, and of course podcast network check us out there if you don't want to watch on youtube otherwise i am your host matt Gajeski on twitter at matt underscore Gajeski. he is kyle dvorak at kyle tweets here we'll be back again same time same place next week and good luck